What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, as always, and we have a very fun edition of the Jack Vita Show out today. Today, we are discussing a plethora of baseball news. Happy Labor Day, by the way. But joining us right now is a man who's been in this game a long time. He played Major League Baseball. He's big in Japan. This is going to be a big episode for our Japanese audience. <laughs> he played overseas, uh, won a Japan Series MVP, um, led the Pacific League in home runs three different times, RBI two different times. Uh, nice little Major League career as well. Yankees, Pirates, Marlins. Uh I don't think I'm forgetting another team, am I? No, I, I think that's it, buddy. Those three teams, yeah. Okay, well, I'm, plenty. I'm, I'm still introducing <laughs> you. Uh, he was on Baseball Tonight for a long time on ESPN. He also called the Little League World Series, World Baseball Classic, and spent about the last 11, 12 years with the Rays, covering them on pregame, postgame, and in-game, and sideline report. Did everything, really. We have a legend returning to the show, Arrestus Destrade, the big O, my uncle. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, buddy. It's good to be on with you, Jack Vita. It's always a pleasure. I've always enjoyed your takes on all things baseball and, in fact, all things life, really, to be honest with you. But but uh, it's great to be on with you and, and talking about at this point in time, as you just said, you know, here we are at Labor Day, which means it's early September. It's the beginning of September, which means uh, we're getting down to the thick of uh, just finishing a dramatic August for a few teams that got in the race, a few teams that are sputtering. And where is this, you know, October going to end up being for those lucky few that make the playoffs? So it's, it's going to be, a, I think, a fun show to try to decipher all that. Fun show. We're also matching today. How about that? <laughs> it's a lucky shirt right here that I have. What is and it? You're, and you're wearing one of my. Uh, uh, at least it says the team that I played for yep. many, many years ago, the Pirates, and I uh, was very proud to have been a Bucko back in the day. In fact, I lockered right in between two greats. Uh, Bobby Bow was to my left, and Barry Bonds was to my right. So for a couple of seasons that I was over there. Uh, and I got to know both of them. I already knew Bobby Bo from from years before uh, because, believe it or not, Bobby Bo and I go way back. Bobby Bo and I, when we signed, we were sent to uh, Bradenton, and the Yankees were, were doing a combined deal with the Bradenton Pirates at Pirate City. So I was able to uh, do my first, you know, getting used to minor league baseball at 19 years old at Pirate City, sharing that complex with, with the Pirates and uh, and got to meet Bobby at the same time. We both signed around the same time, him from New York, uh, the city of New York, and, and me from Miami. So I've known Bobby for a long time. It was neat to be a part of the of those, that Pirate upswing in the late 80s. Barry Bonds, what was he like? Barry was fantastic for me. Uh, Barry was a diff is a difficult person, can be a difficult person, was a difficult person. Uh, but I had Barry when he was like 22 years old uh, for those couple of years, 22, 23. And, um, and he was just, you know, his biggest, maybe I have to say an issue at times is that he just, you know, he could fluctuate day to day. Um, and not moment to moment, but really more day to day. I mean, if he was just having a bad day, that's the way it was going to be. And just kind of, you learn to leave him alone. But, uh, but if, there were so many, you know, other things where he was very gracious. He's very kind. Um, Barry Bonds called me 
uh, the night he hit his 73rd home run. I was already retired and I was done. This is whatever that was. It was 2000. 2001. One. Yeah. So I I, I had stopped playing back for, you know, my second time in Japan back in, you know, 98 or whatever. And, and uh, we, we stayed friends throughout all that. He knew how big I was in Japan and, and that I was always doing a lot of junkets over there and, you know, a lot of appearances and, and things like that. So he called me horse in the middle of the night, which was like middle of the night for me, Jack. It was like four in the morning. It was like one in the morning in San Francisco. Remember, he hit it over there and he had been doing interviews after, for about two hours after he hit that 73rd. And he goes, hey, it's, it's BB. And I go, BB, man, what are you doing? Oh, congratulations. And he goes, uh, we need to get to Japan. We got to go to Japan. So I called my Japanese uh, guys and we set up a trip that winter. And and uh, and he, I think in about a week, he made like two hundred thousand dollars in appearances. It was wow. he was just yeah. And and uh, and I got a nice little you know finder's fee for for <laughs> I went with him. So it was a great thing. So we we've, we've been very tight since then. And then lastly, I'll say when he became a hitting coach. Um, he was frustrated and it's interesting what he told me because I was doing, you know, obviously with the Rays and, and the Marlins came into town. This is when he was with the Marlins. And he goes, these young guys just won't listen to me, man. They won't listen to me. And I looked at him <laughs> and I said, like, you weren't listening to anybody when you were young, but so, so it was kind of funny how it all came full circle. But uh, but he had a lot of things. And, it's, and, you know, I remember hearing the same thing from Reggie Jackson. You know, these are guys that were kind of hard headed when they were players. And didn't listen to a lot of guys, but they were, you know, they were another level of hand-eye coordination. So, um, but all in all, I'll say that Barry's a good human being, misunderstood. And uh, and for me, with my own two eyes, the greatest player that I've ever seen in my life was Barry Bonds. Now, I didn't, I didn't get the chance to see Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle in his heyday, Hank Aaron really truly in his heyday. I just got to see... Uh, Dave Winfield, Ken Griffey Jr., um, you know, George Brett, Kirby Puckett, you know, all these great Shohei Otani. Yeah, I got to see Shohei, I mean, later on. I'm saying guys that I, <laughs> with my contemporaries yeah. that I played with, Carol Griffin Jr., uh, you name it, and head and shoulders was, was Barry Bonds was the greatest player as far as a five-tool player. So uh, I just wanted to say that because it's, it's, it's the truth. He was incredible. Barry, by the way, I – his sort of off the field difficulties, issues, it's been well documented. You can read about it, but I have heard from uh, people, uh, I won't say who, but Barry Bonds couldn't be a nicer guy now. Yeah. And, no, man, I'm telling he's, you. He's even nicer now than he was back then. Yeah. And I think age does, does kind of, you know, it, it does a couple things for you. It, it slows you down and you start appreciating certain things. Um, you know, a lot of people say that about Lou Pinella right now, you know, Lou, <laughs> the last 20 years, he's been, you know, here and pretty much, uh, not 20. I mean, he's been very, you know, fully retired now for about 15 or so. And you run into Lou and Lou is, uh, the sweetest man in the world. Lou was my first manager when I got called up to the Yankees. He was not the sweetest man in the world. <laughs> he, was a, he was a, he was a tough, a tough SOB at times, you know, <laughs> so that's just the way it works. But, uh. It's good that, that, that they appreciate the game now after the fact because the game was very good to those guys. 
So O is really the guy to go to if you have questions about Japanese baseball, including questions about some of the stars that are coming over yeah. from the other side of the pond, uh, at least that side of the pond. We always say side of the pond, we think Europe, but we're talking about yeah. you know Pacific <laughs> Ocean. Uh, but there have been you know a handful of guys who've come over in recent years who have had a big impact. Um, before we talk about the big one, I just I'm right. curious to hear your thoughts and assessments on Masataka Yoshida, Kodai Senga, and Seiya Suzuki. Well, uh, listen, um, Senga's done a phenomenal job. I mean, I, I you know I, I think he, for a first year guy and you know uh, and, and dealing with a situation with the Mets, you know, being as volatile as it is, and not being in a situation where where he could. You know, he had a whole lot of support with their offense and a lot of things. I thought he's done a great job. He's going to really only only trek higher as as he gets more accustomed to the major leagues. So there's an upside to to his dramatic pitches, especially he's a true fork ball thrower because uh, a lot of people don't realize that there's a split and then there's a true fork ball when you get, you know, and the Japanese really have mastered the fork ball. The best one probably arguably that they've ever uh, sent over here was the the one that broke the ice with Hideo Nomo, and, and Senga is kind of in that mold of Nomo, who's a high fastball, hard in the mid '90s, and it's just an incredible forkball. It just literally drops. The difference between a split and a fork: a split will literally kind of go like a slider. It'll go, it'll dip down and in, down and away. You can pressure it a little bit. The fork you can't even control as much. It's almost knuckles over the plate. So. Senga has done a great job. I think Yoshida has been as steady as you can expect. You know, he's not he's not turned the cover off the ball as far as, you know, doing some, you know, grandiose, you know, leading the league and hitting. Uh, but he's hitting right there close to 300. Um, he's an RBI machine. You know, he reminds me really a lot of is what Matsui did when he came over mm, to the Yankees. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hideki Matsui. Uh, just a solid guy that was going to hit 280, 290, close to 300, you know, give you 20 home runs. And as, and as Yoshida learns the league, he'll go, he'll even give you, and with the ball being as, as lighter as it is, you know, it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I think Yoshida's going to end up hitting 25, 30 one year, but he'll drive in 80, 90, 100. He's only going to, he's another one that's been on the uptick. So great yeah. signing by both those big boy teams, New York and and uh, and Boston, you know, and uh, who was the other one that you were, you were trying Suzuki. to? Suzuki. Suzuki, you know, uh, he's doing a nice job. I haven't seen his stats as of late. What, what's what's he looking? What's his line? So he's at right now. He well, he was he was in a big slump throughout the yeah. summer. Got benched about a say. month ago. Yeah, uh, came back, and since then he's he's brought he's been playing much better. But he's at uh, two sixty five on the season, right. three thirty eight OBP, seven seventy eight. Uh, Hell of an outfielder. 14 home runs and 49 RBI. Um, you know, and and he's been a part of uh, of this resurgent, you know, Cubs team that we're going to talk about a little bit uh, later. But but the reality is that you know, there, here's a kid, here's a guy that um, uh, first of all, heck of an outfielder, heck of a right fielder. He's got a gun of an arm, so he's on the upside on that. Um, but Got injured last year, and I think he hasn't really kind of fully recovered from that enough to see what he truly is. Because this guy really is a 
a 3,100 potential guy. He's that powerful, has pole-to-pole power. Uh, so you haven't seen the true, you know, say you Suzuki just yet. Uh, but but I, I think that, you know, he's, he's on – He's on the come in the sense, in the sense that um, uh, I think you got to give him a little bit of a mulligan of adjustment, and then you know the injury set him back a little bit. But I, I like him. I'm a bigger you know Yoshida fan than I am a, a, a Suzuki fan, but but both I think are prominent. They're going to be prominent ball players for quite a while. Well, it's interesting because the Cubs have a glut of outfielders right now. They're in an yes, interesting spot because. They have Suzuki. He's signed through 2026. They extended Ian Happ. Not entirely sure why. Uh, he's okay. He's fine. Yeah. But you kind of want more out of your left field position. It's a big bat position. I totally he's agree. He's not a big bat. His defense is not good, uh, even though he won a gold glove last year somehow. Right. Um, and then you've got Cody Bellinger, who you'd love to resign because he's been playing like an MVP caliber player. But then you've also got... They brought up Alexander Canario this past week. He hasn't played yet. He's one of their outfield yeah, prospects. Yeah, they have some youngsters. They've got Pete uh, Crow Armstrong, who's one of the top ten prospects in all of baseball. He should be coming yeah. up next year. And then they've also got a, a couple other outfielders that are very promising. That's been the organizational strength. So to me, the HAP extension made very little sense to me because now I feel like it's going to be harder to keep Bellinger when Bellinger's your best player – You've already got two of your outfielders locked up for the next five, yeah. four years, and you want to have room for your young guys to be able to come up, and that's how your franchise is going to turn a corner is through the pipeline. So I don't really know where they're going with that. I don't either, and I don't know if they're they're going to be able to keep Cody Bellinger. It was interesting that – I mean, listen, hindsight's twenty twenty because they didn't trade Cody Bellinger – and I was very surprised. I thought I thought a Yankee, you know, with the need in the outfield, talk, talk about outfield need, um, they could have used Cody, you know, in the outfield, even at, even at first if you wanted to because of the situation, you know, um, uh, at first base for the Yankees. But the bottom line is that they keep them, and now they're making a resurgent, you know, push. So ironic, Shohei Otani doesn't get traded, and they make a slight little push, and then they dive. So, you know, it's interesting how you look at things, but uh, but I don't – it's going to be expensive to keep Shoy Otani and the Chicago Cubs have not been one to spend, you know, that, that $200, $300 million contract that it might take to keep Cody Bellinger because Cody Bellinger is going to be a very much in-demand player. The Cubs will spend when they're in a position – I mean, last year they gave Swanson – 177 million dollars. They did. I mean, I think Cody's going above Swanson. They gave that, they gave Lester a big contract. They gave Hayward a big contract. They, so and that's they what have, I mean. I think they're they've done it a few years past. They have so many young players. Yeah. I mean, when you look at Cincinnati and the Chicago Cubs, I'll let you tell me which which of these two organizations have the better under two year players right now. I mean, I would, I would say the Reds. The Reds are just ridiculous with with young talent, but the Chicago's got some really exciting young talent too. Cubs have so, some; they've got some pieces coming up, which is why it's interesting. That's what I'm saying. I'm not even saying all the guys that they've, they've right. I no, yeah, they've got years or less. They've got on, guys. On, I'm saying on Double A and Triple A, from what I've read. Yeah, heard about. they've got a lot that's supposed to come up, which is why it's been interesting to me that they've gone in this direction of extending Ian Happ and signing Jameson Tyone to a four-year deal. And yeah. 
some of those other moves. Because you know what's interesting, though, is I've been someone that has been a longtime doubter and skeptic of this team. I did not think this team was going to be anywhere close to where they are right now. They are... Uh, at this time, 73 and 64, they right. make the playoffs. If the season ended today, they've got the best run differential in the NL Central. But why is that? What is going on with the Cubs? The thing that's funny is it's not those big play, the big contracts. The three big contracts that they really gave out over the past several months were the Swanson contract, the Tyone contract, yeah. and, and the Hap. The HAP extension, then you could even go back another year and you could say Marcus Stroman, his contract. Stroman's not even pitching right now. He had a great stretch his first 15 starts or so. Then he was really bad. Uh, And they've been winning since Stroman stopped pitching. Now, what's really going on here is... It's kind of if you if you look past a few of those contracts, it's a little more of like a small market uh, startup kind of thing going on here because the guys who've been the big contributors have been a mix of some of those young players such as Justin Steele, uh, Javier Assad coming up into the rotation recently. Yeah. He's been good. Uh, and then Nico Horner in his uh, he's early in his career. He's been very good. It's a mix of those guys right. and. Christopher Morel, Christopher Morel being one of them as well. And the one-year uh, bargain bin players that they signed. So, yeah. obviously, Cody Bellinger. We'll talk about him in a second. But how about Jan Gomes? How about Mike Talkman? How about, uh, man, they've had Yamer Condelario, guy they got at the trade deadline. It's a lot yeah. of, like, the discount pieces. Suzuki, he's a young guy. It's so it's this it's this fusion of young talent and undervalued players. I and mean, of course, pa- Patrick Wisdom been a guy who's given him twenty one homers. Yep. I mean, he's kind of like a uh, he's kind of like a uh, swing, you know, hit or miss kind of guy there, obviously, because he's only hitting two hundred. But but uh, yeah, no, you're right. They they've they've really maximized and surprised the league. I did not see them. Doing a whole heck of a lot this year, <laughs> I really did. I, Not I many mean, of us did, and and it's crazy because, and I know it's going to be, you know, probably a sore subject because I know you're a White Sox fan too. And I'm not, no, and, I'm not a fan. Oh, oh, you're not a fan. I got, I'm not I, a I, fan I thought, of anybody. I'm a, I was a Cubs oh, fan I, I growing thought, up. I thought, I thought you were both Chicago teams. You know, you kind of loved them. No, no, no. no I was uh, raised to love the Cubs, hate the White Sox. Now oh. I'm, <laughs> now I'm not. They, now I'm they, neutral. Now I'm. Now not, you're neutral. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you looked on paper once again, you know the White Sox were should have like trounced the the, the, the it, you know back in in March when you looked at it as to what the White Sox you know should have done. So. Uh, but that's a whole other debacle of an organization that, that, that needs, <laughs> you know, they've been trying to reboot for a while now. And for some crazy reason, um, I, I, a quick side note, I don't think they ever should have gotten rid of Rich Renteria, believe it or not. Yeah. I, I think they should have kept Rick Rich Renteria, Renteria for, to, in order to progress with a better mantra, so to speak, in, into what the White Sox were trying to build with a lot of young individualistic, incredible talent, which is what they have singularly, you know, all diced around offensively and pitching. Um, and, and they haven't had that cohesive guy to, to bring them together. So but isn't, this, it is. isn't this funny with the Cubs? Because you've got Hap batting third every day. He's batting yeah. 248. 
Uh, really not a whole lot of power. He's he's played a little better over the last week or two. You've got Dansby Swanson batting typically somewhere between second and fifth. He's been in a huge slump over the yeah. past couple months. He's really not right. giving him much offensively. Didn't really see a need for him considering Nico Horner had locked down the shortstop position a year ago. Um, so I don't I don't entirely know where why they made that move. But then. The other guy, I know that. So, and then uh, Jameson Tyon, being that big pitching signing, he's right. been, had the worst ERA of all their starters. He's got an ERA close to six. Drew Smiley, another well, guy Drew, that they Drew Smiley is close to six too. He's yeah. Both of those guys have been really yeah. bad. Those were the two guys that were supposed to be. I mean, along obviously with Strowman, yeah, you know, or were to be potentially. I, Honestly, when I saw that starting rotation, other than Strowman, I wasn't like super excited. Yeah, you know, to be candid with you, because yeah, Strowman with like uh, with if Hendricks can come back, which Hendricks yeah. has been great. Yeah, but, but you know, it, it, it's um, I, I I don't know, but listen, that wild card race when you look at it uh, is available. You know what I mean? It is. Uh, it, 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 so I mean, it's not just. Uh, I mean, obviously, they, they still have a chance to even up and, you know, to win the division. But, but uh, holy cow, I mean, I'm just – they're what? They're three and a half back, so they're still in the race for – Still in the race. They for, got another series with Milwaukee. They got another series with Milwaukee. I like Milwaukee. I'm going to be yeah. candid with you. Yep. I'm a big fan of the of the Brew, the Brew Crew and what they're doing um, with the with the revitalized, you know, Yelich and, and, um, and that whole crew. But – uh, and then you've got Cincinnati, who's you know chomping at the bit. They're right behind them. Uh, the wild card's going to be nuts, man. I mean, what are we looking at right now in the National League? You're talking. You've got Philly, Chicago, Arizona playing well. Miami is in the mix. San Francisco. I mean, San Francisco's in the mix with 70 wins. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, you know, really, you, you go all the way down to pretty much, you know, to Cincinnati. I mean, I don't, I don't really. San Diego Padres have been such a just a, you know, they, they were ridiculously. They're worse than the White Sox as far as at the bottom <laughs> this year, and um, you know, it's ridiculous because they had all the pieces yeah. put together. But but you know, this is this is a legit three six. You know, six teams trying to you know to vie for. For a couple positions, you know, so it's crazy. Couple more things on the Cubs. I just find it yeah. ironic that it's been, the, and then an, another one, Trey Mancini, Eric Hosmer. Yeah. These were guys who were supposed to come in, and they yeah, what happened like to Haas? He's not on a team. Mancini's not on a team. They both I got know. DFA'd, and then Nick Nick Madrigal and Christopher Morel were kind of the guys who were forced out by some of those signings, such as the yeah. Swanson one, Madrigal. Coming up big yesterday with a big hit. He's been on a tear lately. Morrell uh, had to start the season in AAA. And then Assad is another one, who recent addition to the rotation. So it's just funny to me that the best, a lot, a, a big reason why this team is doing so well has been a lot of the players that they almost undervalued internally at the start of the season. Yeah. I mean, really, when you think about, you know, you, you said before, you moved. You had to move a, a steady player in, in, in Horner over to second, and this guy's been one of your steadiest hitters all year long. I mean, the dude did, you know, and runs, 84 runs, you know, stolen bases. The guy's a, a legit yeah. all-star. 
and potential, and you moved them over for for Swansby, uh, and and um, um, you know, and 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 I, I I get for Swanson, excuse me, yeah, but um, I, I get mistake. it, I, I get it, but you know, uh, they're going to be figuring that one out for a while now. Because he's 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 in there he's in there for a minute at what yeah. what one seventy one seventy one seventy seven over seven years now the oh, other geez. the big one though we we have to, we can't ignore it the big reason why the Cubs are in this position is Cody Bellinger and yeah this is I'm gonna ask you this though how many wins better yeah. do you think the Cubs are with Bellinger in the lineup versus without Bellinger in the lineup, because I I added no. this up yesterday. Yeah, I mean, give me give me the number that you found out. They're fifteen games better. Fifteen games better. Holy shit! So that's, that's fifteen dramatic. fifteen wins. Fifteen win oh, difference. No. They're fifty eight um, fifty eight and forty six with them in the lineup. Without him in the lineup, they're fifteen and eighteen. How about that? Um. He is just doing everything right now for them, and and not just you know hitting home runs, driving runs. He's scoring runs. Uh, you know he's stealing bases. So he's the, the precipice of his twentieth stolen base. Um, I, I think you know. I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't see Cody Bellinger being this great of player. You know this dynamic five tool player. Um, I, I saw him being good, but I didn't see him being this great. And and he's he's positioning himself, you know, uh, very much even beyond Swanson, you know, as far as contract wise, that it's gonna it's gonna take you know well over two hundred million to sign this guy, you know, in in the coming off season when he's a free agent. So um, a great keep is what I got to say right now because I mean, were, were you not thinking you know a month ago or so that uh, or a little more than a month ago because it was August first. Um, that he was gonna, he's gonna be pushed somewhere. I thought it would make. I thought that they should trade him. Somewhere. Yeah, me too. I mean, I looked in the American League and National League as far as you know, guys that could really help you immediately. It was Shohei, and it was Cody Bellinger, and neither one went. And then, but you look at both teams, and one is benefiting from keeping him, and one obviously. It just didn't work out with with uh, with the moves and man, man, if the Angels didn't try to, to to make a push, they brought in some new veteran blood. Just didn't work. You know, Trout goes back, he gets injured, he's done, and now you're sitting in a situation where at least the Cubs can try to keep Cody Bellinger. The Angels, I I, I feel, have probably have no chance to keep. Oh, Cody no Bellinger. chance. I, Interesting. I, I don't think so. I, Why do you say I, that? I, don't think, I, I say that because. I think that in the end, the reason you kept Shohei Otani and the chance to to re-sign him was to have gone to have made the playoffs and hopefully have gone deep in the playoffs. In fact, it would have worked to their advantage if they had made the playoffs. And not even make it to the World Series, you know, but get to the precipice. Maybe they get to the ALCS. And, oh, okay, now, you know, the offseason's here. We were this close. Now, you know, that $500 million signing could keep him. And if somebody else is offering him 550 he's going to go, no, I'm going to try to win a, a World Series with my team because we're so close. Now it's looking like it's a debacle. It's not close. And they're not making the playoffs. 
So it's almost like everybody around him is going to go, man, listen, you, you need to go to a frontline team that's going to make the playoffs, that's going to give you a chance to be, you know, front and center, bright lights, big city. And, and that's going to take, you know, the Dodgers of Boston, either the two New Yorks, you know, uh, San Francisco, if he wants to stay out West, those teams perennially, well, Sons, the Mets, perennially are in the playoffs. So I've asked this question to Bob Nightingale and Rhett Bollinger, who covers the Angels for MLB.com. Both, I've asked them both on this show, and those are some guys who are very, very much plugged in, and they have said the same thing. Anybody who says they know where Otani is going or what he's thinking is lying because this guy is so private. However, they did. both of them pointed out some clues about Otani. And they both believe, and I, I'm on the same page with them, that Otani is only going to really sign with a West Coast team. That's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. Um, I don't know how much I take that to at a you know full 100% clip because I think the – I'm telling you, I think a lot – it's just happened. Believe it or not, it's not about the injury. It, it's it, it was you know it's not about wh whether he got traded or not because he could have gotten traded and still re-signed you know with, with the Angels maybe possibly. Yeah, but it's unlikely. Right? I mean that's it's like, unlikely. It's like it, telling your unlikely. girlfriend, your long-term yeah, girlfriend, you want to take you. a break and then she finds love yeah, with someone but again, else. What it matters, I think, what matters to me is what the Angels are looking like in the coming three to four or five years when he's still peaking, right? So the fact that they kept him, I thought he was very happy. He was like, yeah, I don't, He, you know, you got to understand the, you know, I understand the Japanese methodology yeah. and mentality. And they're very much about WA. WA is unity and team unity. So he's been with this team. This is the team that chose him, you know, from Japan and has weathered the storms with him and the storms being, you know, coming over, getting accustomed to major leagues, going through Tommy John once, right? Overcoming that, right? And coming out the other side. Oh, by the way, in a minute, I'll explain to you how that actually helped his career, uh, having had Tommy John, and then becoming what he really is now, the, the, the phoenix that has risen, right? Well, going to the playoffs is, was paramount, them, if they just would have made the playoffs, I'm telling you, I feel that they would have had a chance to sign him. And it's not the money, it's the the potential that then the Angels would have. Mike Trout's coming back. Mike Trout's still going to be a phenom of a player when he gets fully healthy. It's just the matter with Mike Trout right now is can he stay healthy on yeah. the field for a full year? It's not as Mike Trout is good. He's not getting worse when he comes back. He's still a beast, right? So here's what happens. You make the playoffs. There's an impetus that I would he'd be willing to take a, a lot less to stay with the Angels and stay in the West Coast. Now, I think it's just been completely, you know, crumbled. Right? There's not a playoff team. He's going through. He's going to go not go through the motions because he's such a diehard baseball guy. But the team is going through the motions. It's going to be noticeable. It's going to be heartfelt. He's going to be like, okay, well, I have to move on now. Right. And it's going to be a tough decision for him. But as far as the East Coast, West Coast, brother, when 
here's the team that I think has the best chance. And if they if they really seriously get serious, you know, get serious about them, they have the money, right? And the team that makes the most sense, I think, in the East Coast. It's not Boston. It's not the Mets. It's the New York Yankees. And it's almost a movie script kind of, of signing. Why? First of all, they already have you know history with Japanese players and Japanese players being successful. They won a World Series. In fact, Matsui was an MVP in 2009. They had success with Tanaka. They are they you know they got Ichiro at the tail end of his career. So they have enough. They, there's enough tenure there with with Japanese players that it's not some surprise team with Japanese players. So that's important to the Japanese player. You understand what I'm saying? It's important to know that this this team. This organization understands our methodology and mental state because they've gone through three three super uber stars, right? Well, secondly, it's the Babe Ruth factor. And this is a kind of a, again, a movie-esque type of a thing. But who who was the, the one that he's compared to all the time because of the pitching and the hitting? It's Babe Ruth. So if there's any chance, I think it's kind of like bringing it to – to the Yankee Stadium, it would behoove the Yankees to to be in that, that 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 offer and maybe offer a little more. With the Angels being out of the picture, I feel now because of the lack of production by the team. Now the Yankees could step in and you know offer that five hundred. Oh, by the way, there's no doubt that his stock has to have dropped probably by seventy five to hundred million dollars because you have to wait for. You know, yeah. Do you think he's going to pitch again? Yes, a hundred percent that he'll pitch again. I think he'll pitch again, but you're going to have to wait for it so that devalues the contract. But still, let's say he was never, ever, ever, ever a pitcher. He's still he's still worth you know four hundred, five hundred. Like if you paid Mike Trout that much money, then you're going to you know you're going to pay uh, you know a, a healthy big boy like he is. But the thought of him pitching still is there and I think will happen. Oh, by the way, real quick, the reason he became the great hitter that he is, having followed him since high school, right, and when he played with the Nippon Ham Fighters and throughout his career and even when he signed with with California, um, with the Angels, was that his whole career, it's been always pitching first, hitting second. Pitching first, hitting second. In fact, if you look through his whole tenure – he was a great pitcher, a good hitter. Great pitcher, good hitter. High school, major leagues in Japan, and even when he first two years in in uh, in with the with the Angels, he was really more like people were more excited about his pitching than his hitting. He hit like two eighty. He won Rookie of the Year. He had twenty home runs. He stole a few bags. When twenty twenty hit, and he and he blew out his arm. So he, they said, you cannot pick up a baseball. This is the first time in his life that he was not allowed to pitch for that long a period. That He just concentrated on hitting. Hitting, 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 hitting. Started to do more weight training. Gained about 15 or 20 pounds of mass. And all that he really concentrated was hitting. For the first time in his life, he just had to just hit, brother. And a shortened season so he could even work more on just practice the hitting. That's what you got in 21. You got this behemoth of a hitter that was always kind of pulled hitting wise from his pitching, which was which kind of needed more 
pitching always listen i always dog the pitchers that they're babies and <laughs> and they only especially especially starters you know they only pitch once every five days and then you get the chart but the reality is that's a difficult position man and and you have to stay on top of it your arm we're already seeing the injuries that we're seeing right you have to stay on top of it you got to stay healthy you got to do your bullpen you got to mentally be there it's not like hitting but sometimes you can just be in in a groove and you're hitting just out of just response you know the man you know uh uh you know just just to just you see the fastball hit pitching you have to have a mental and physical acumen so when that was taken away from him and you don't have to worry about it for more than a year, he was able to concentrate completely on the hitting. Holy cow, did he turn into now a duality that matched itself. And his hitting now is just surpassing his pitching. And and trust me, he's a hell of a pitcher. So, yeah, <laughs> I think he'll pitch again because now he's going to concentrate on his hitting. He'll heal. I mean, there's 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 precipice of, of double you know, double uh, Tommy John surgery guys that have come back and yeah. come back strong because the technology now is is better than ever. So, yeah, I think he'll pitch. And I think there is that 20% chance that he goes to the East team. And I really think if he does go to an East team, it's going to be a the storybook kind of thing tied to Babe Ruth and and the duality, you know, scenario of the Yankees. And I'm also, I'll end with this. I'm a Yankee fan. I yes, came out of the I know. Movie Yankee fan. So, <laughs> you can tell. So there might be a little bit of an inkling in there where <laughs> I do not want Boston. I do not want the Mets to get them. For that, stay out west and sign with the Dodgers and do what you got to do. But if you're coming out East Shohei San, when I see him again, I'm going to talk to him. In fact, he'll be here in, in a couple, three weeks. He'll be here on the 20th and 21st at the Trop. I'm gonna go pay him a visit and say hello, and, uh, and I'm gonna. I mean, maybe I might even slip him a Yankee hat, and put it <laughs> in his bag. Just be like, oh, what did I? I'll give him a present and I will put it in a box. And I said, don't open it until after the season. That's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> don't open it until after the season. Then when he opens it, it's gonna be a Yankee hat, <laughs> and he's gonna laugh and, and he's gonna go. I might do. I swear to God, I might do that. I might give a president <laughs> said you can't open it till after the season. <laughs> okay, well, come back and give us an update on that. I know you. I know you love the Yankees. I hate to burst your bubble. Uh, everything we heard about the guy is he doesn't like the big city. He doesn't like the nightlife. He, he likes the West Coast. He likes being close to Japan. If anything, if anything, he, the the one city that he does like in the East that he's had he said good things about was Boston. Mm. Believe it or not, he's actually because he, it's a smaller big yeah. city, and they've got you know. Yoshida too. He could recruit. They've got Yoshida, so there's a connection there. He, yeah. he did like Boston. I think he's going to stay with one of the two LA teams. I think yeah. he's going to stay in LA. Now, let me ask you this: Oh, I, last I, thing I, on Otani, I wouldn't stay with the Angels. You LA. don't think he will stay with the Angels? But I'm curious no. to know. If you're very well-connected Japan, you know what these guys are like, you know what that right. culture values. And I'm curious if there's any kind of value placed within that culture of loyalty and perhaps staying with one organization for an entire career. Is that something that those guys might put a little more value or thought into than people over here in the States do? Um, there is a huge loyalty scenario. It's been built in in Japan because of the fact that 
that they just recently, and I say recently in the last decade, you know, created a a kind of a an open you know scenario where you could become a free agent, right? It's been maybe a little more. Not it's going up on closer to twenty years, but really in the in the big picture of things, that's a small sliver compared to you know we've been doing it since the you know the the late seventies, right? Where players are starting to jump, we're starting to jump over and trades and things. Not a whole lot of trades. They you know you stayed with a team and it was almost like the fifties and sixties and seven the early seventies of Major League Baseball, where you're signing one year deals and you and you were it was almost over the top until 15, 20 years ago with, with Japan, that it was a controlled scenario by the ownership. I didn't agree with it, okay? Because a foreigner could come in and sign a two or three year deal for millions of dollars like I did. And then I was looking at these one year deals for guys next to me that were pretty much as good as I was. And, and, and they were stuck having to put their, you know, hat in front of them and going, I hit 300 last year and I, and I hit 30 home runs. Yeah, but you struck out 120 times, we're going to knock you 5%. I mean, that's literally what they were do they've been doing until recently. So that being said, yeah, there's this loyalty. But they're also getting more kind of original now. And they're seeing that you have to maximize your marketability. So the reason that I say that East Coast might be a, a chance, and the reason that I say that... that um, that I think the Dodgers are probably the key team to possibly get them is because you still have to market yourself and you still have to look at, you know, how much can you really do as a ball player, even though the Japanese tend to be more systematic about between the lines as far as opposed to, I want to be in the movies. That's not what I'm saying, but you know, it's just going to be a poll. He's going to be the first player for real, real, in Japan, because Nomo never got to this situation where it came in front of him. Ichiro never did either. Yeah. You know, by the time Ichiro was going to be a free agent, you know, it, it, it was it was the downslide of his career. Uh, Matsui stayed, was with, you couldn't ask for anything bigger than New York Yankees, right? So um, this is the first guy that has the opportunity Japanese-wise, to pick where he really wants to go, and not that he's coming from Japan. He's already established here. It could be very interesting to see how his influences of agents and stuff like that and how his influence of Japanese heart meets, comes together. Because if you think about it, if he goes to New York, brother, uh, even if he goes to Boston, even if he goes to the Mets, I'm just saying if he goes to the East with the time frame and, and being, you know, when prime time when you're watching him prime time every night and and the ESPNs and the blogs and and everybody and the, and the podcast are talking about him every night um, well he's he's already being talked about every night he's talked about he's being talked about but i you got to admit that there's there's something to be said about being on the east coast as far as well, the day to day yeah. the day to day the coverage. coverage yep absolutely you know what i mean it's so like that coverage will be bigger. So then you're bigger and, you know, he's, he's not, you know, you don't stay in LA to be, to be, uh, to be a movie star, you know, <laughs> it's different for, for, so I don't know, you know, it, it's a, you know, it's it definitely has worked for LeBron, you know, LeBron went to, to the East, you know, they, but basketball's different. 
because basketball plays how many times a week? And and the Lakers are on technically on prime time, right? When you want to watch a Laker game, you could turn it on at nine o'clock. They're playing at six. But you're watching LeBron at nine o'clock in your household in the East Coast. You know what I'm saying? That's not happening with the Angels. You know, they're not on every night at nine o'clock anywhere in the East. It's it's an interesting thing because then marketing wise, you could just do so many things. Well, it is a different thing because in baseball, everybody watches their team every night. They don't typically watch the national broadcast unless right. it's a Sunday night baseball block where it's the only game going. Right, on. where it's blocked out. Right. I, I agree. And I don't think that's I, a bad thing either. I think it's it's actually I think it's a good thing because we have this like loyalty where yes. you're watching your team every single night. Um, and I think some people look at that as a bad thing. I think John right. Boy broke it down. It's basically, you know, baseball is the most popular show every single night. It's just that 30 different cities are watching their own version of American Idol. It's a different. They're watching their own version of what they want to watch. Yeah. But here's but they're the all watching thing. the same sport. Here's the other thing we reference to Shohei Otani. He, that he's going to, you know, they're going to sit him down and maybe he's going to be tutored this. He's going to be, you know, throwing at him. Right now, he's the type of guy that he's blinders, right? I just want to deal with baseball. He didn't even want to talk about getting traded. And he didn't. If you really yeah. paid attention to his, his press conferences, nothing. So then the, the only thing he said was, I don't want to talk about it. And then when they said they're not trading him, he came out and made a prayer. He goes, I'm happy. They're not trading yeah. me. I'm get, let's get back to baseball. But here's the catch, Jack. And that is... You have to you have to see Shohei Otani in the playoffs, man. So these people are going to say, okay, well then go to the freaking go to the go to the Dodgers. Yeah, the go, Dodgers go the make the most sense out of a other or even the Giants. Play. Yeah, the Giants. I don't know. I mean, the Giants need him more than anybody because oh, their the ticket Giants sales need more than anybody. Yeah, yeah, they need the ticket. And exactly. the thing is, though, I think the Angels are going to pony up and try to match any offer that's out there. So it'll just be, you know, if he wants to come back, he'll have that option. Oh, if he course. wants to, the Angels are not going to let him go over fifty or seventy-five, even a yeah. hundred million dollars. In fact, the Angels might be willing to pay more than anybody. I, like the Dodgers, very, I could see very likely. I could see the Dodgers saying, you know what, we're he's we're a little out of our price range here. now yeah, because so of this Tommy John. Well, not just that. Well, well, this Tommy John surgery is, is definitely diminished his price range. He was he was looking at ten for sixty, six hundred. I'd say now he's in that ten for five hundred, which still is going to blow away any you know yeah. any deal that's been done, right? Which is uh, with the biggest one being uh, his his teammate in Trout. But so he'll still be at probably about five hundred. The problem is not that. The problem is which team gives him playoff potential because in the end, I even think MLB is going to kind of come in there a little bit and go, yeah. The- Artie, Artie Moreno, brother, <laughs> listen, I'm sorry. I know you're making all these things. You guys just can't seem to make the freaking playoff. <laughs> and we need to put this guy. Who does NBA have in the playoffs all the time? LeBron. And who else? Steph. Um, you know, uh, Giannis. Yeah. Um, you know, all the stars are in the playoffs. Are you going to tell me this is the one sport where you never see Trout, you never see Shohei Otani? Are you kidding me, man? That's and yet, just, uh, and yet, Major League Baseball playoffs outrate NBA playoffs over the past they year. They do. 
And how about that? That that's a very so that's where level. I don't I don't want to be too hard and say we got to be like the NBA because the NBA has some like good NBA. things. I, I think it's I think it's you're right. People are still going to watch, but it's what what the MLB is give, giving the yeah. opportunity to, to provide. Yeah. Yeah, if we had Mike Trout and Otani, if that team could make it to the playoffs. Now, That's what I'm saying. I mean, where can so how do we help either the Angels or how do we get this guy out of there? You know what I mean? Because, I don't necessarily think the Angels are too far away from getting there, though, because you sounding you're sounding like a Chicago White Sox fan. Right <laughs> every season, they're not too far. This is they look pretty darn good. I, I I've been all in on the Angels. For the last two or three years, bro, when I look at them on paper, I go, Trout stays healthy. Wow. Oh, definitely yeah. since 21. Since well, I've been one. Oh, it's funny. I've been the opposite. I've been out on the Angels, but I like some of the smaller oh. moves that they made with yeah. bringing in. I want to see what Logan O'Hoppy can do in a full season next year. I hear you. I like what Logan yeah, That was, that was a guy that hurt, that hurt his, uh, his elbow or something. Yeah, because Jim Callis, our guy, the first Jim week Callis. Of the season he got hurt. Or the second week of the season he got hurt. He just, he just came back, didn't he? Oh, yeah, uh, and Jim Callis, the godfather of prospect analysis, he yeah. told me, he said, this guy is, you know, Buster Posey, J.C. Real legit, Muto type legit, of legit. Great franchise, body, great body. Yeah. franchise catcher. So I'm a little curious to see what Perry Manassian can do, given yeah. – He's kind of got his. I mean, that, I think the main thing is that they probably need a new owner because the owner Artie Moreno is controlling a lot of the stuff. So Manassian is limited. All, yeah. He's limited in what he can do, but I think he's made some nice little smaller moves over the past couple of years. So I don't necessarily think they're in baseball purgatory. They're in baseball hell. I think they're worst positions <laughs> to be in, but. And I mean, I mean, it's just the the main thing. The reason why they're in this situation is it's an ongoing pattern of mismanaging your resources and with your contracts, your finances. I mean, it's yeah. a long Rondon list. Of, was, Rondon was horrendous. Justin uh, Upton, you, uh, uh, Josh Hamilton, C.J. Wilson, uh, Albert Pujols. The lefty, the lefty, uh, Washburn. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, uh, Weaver. Weaver. Weaver, they made yeah, a mistake. Jared with. Weaver, they, yeah. There was another one that they made a mistake with, uh, that they gave like a hundred million to. Uh, yeah, they, CJ they, Wilson. CJ Will, maybe I was thinking CJ Wilson. Yeah, yeah. And, and they, but that's what I was saying when they made those deals. That's why I was like all in with these guys. So I'm like Rondon, yeah, yeah. Paul, this is gonna be great. If they're gonna have a three four five or a two three four of you know Trout of Shohei Trout. You know, Rondon, they've got some young guys coming up. This team's there. They just get a couple of pitchers. Then they got C.J. Wilson, and they got – I'm like, what? Well, they go to Anaheim, and it's like they disappear. I, I don't get it. So, uh, well, you know, the something's worst, going on. The worst where, thing where that I can't think – can't bring it together. The worst thing that I think they did over the past – this season was – going for it. I don't think that was a mistake. I like the move. You're trying to go for it. You're trying to make it happen. You want to keep Otani. But when you can't, when when you regress and you fall out of the hunt and last week you put six or seven of your guys on waivers, yeah. several of whom that you picked up in hopes of pushing this thing forward, essentially because you just don't want to pay their salaries for the last month. I think right. that's the worst look out of all of it. Yeah. Um, 
It was, man. I, I man, I was so excited when when they were all in and they did trade him. I kind of thought he was going to get traded, but then when they didn't, I was like, wow. All right, man, go for it. And then they won like six straight. Remember? Yeah. They, they, they came out swept of the, the Yankees. Yeah, they swept the Yankees. And I'm like, they're okay. They're in. No, I am, don't, don't, even, don't get me started about this. <laughs> though, though, by the way, they, they just swept Houston. So, uh, you know, hold your horses. They might, they might, they might win 20 in a row. I just <laughs> <laughs> you never know. They might do. They, who was it? The Oakland A's that did. Yeah, Moneyball and the 2017 they, Cleveland Indians. Cleveland Indians won like 21, 20, 21 in a row. I think right? 21, 22, and then uh, the Cardinals. The Cardinals two years ago, I think won 20. The Cardinals did that too. It's possible. I want to say Seattle Mariners did something crazy like that. Probably. So, I mean, they won 117 games, so they had to have 116. You're right. Yep. Yeah. No, but there was no. But I'm talking about a specific year. I remember ba- o- o- Oakland did that madness where they won 20 in a row. Cleveland did it. St. Louis did something crazy. I'm talking September, like September yeah, madness. Late. Yeah. Um, so Cleveland did it. Yeah. The Yankees. They could. They could. <laughs> <laughs> He's. I'm sorry. An I'm eternal sorry. optimist. I was just. I was speaking. Of, you know, Shohei and, and um, and the Japanese market. I was just looking at. Because I don't know if you remember. Well, obviously you, you know, I, I was there live and and on the field with uh, with Team Japan, yeah, uh, celebrating with them, um, and they had a uh, what I thought was an incredible two, three, four, talking about you know Otani, Trout, and Rondon, which didn't mm-hmm. materialize obviously, but they had Otani, uh, Murakami, uh, is it Murakami? What uh, no. Who's my guy there? Yeah, Murakami, Murakami, and 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 Yoshida that hit two, three, four, and so a guy to watch is uh, the kid Murakami. Uh, yeah, could he with, be coming over to the states soon? He could. I think it's too soon. I think it's too soon. He's actually having an off year, believe it or not. Oh, okay. He's hitting. He's, hitting, um, he's got 24, 25 jacks for seventy two runs. This guy was triple crown last year. He's hitting two fifty two. Um, he's something special. He he is. He is something really, really, really special. Um, and then you've got, you know, uh, and he's only 20. I want to say he's, I think, just shy of, I think he's 22. So he's still young. And then also in that 22-ish age range is uh, Roki Sasaki. Um, so, in fact, you know, next week, I, I just heard from my my underground Yankees uh, connections, uh <laughs> Omar Minaya, who who was you know was hired uh, this past offseason um, by by Brian Cashman, is uh, they're both going to Japan for a little little look see next week. So they're mm. going to be over there for a few days, taking a look at probably Roki. Roki Roki is a twenty game winner. That guy is ridiculous. Uh, he, arguably a better pitcher than than Shohei Otani is. It's just you know, obviously he doesn't hit, but but uh, this kid, his breaking pitches are in another level, and and his fastball with a spin rate, and he can hit you up high, down low, he throws cutters, sliders, splitter, curveball, change. He's just ridiculous, this kid, and he's six four, six. You know, he's got the build. Yeah, I was on the field with those guys when they won with you, Darvish, Roki, uh, and a couple guys from my Sable Lions, the team that I played for when I was over there. 
uh, were on that team. So very proud of, of, uh, of, of that team and their coaching staff were former contemporaries of mine. So, um, yeah, you're going to see more and more Japanese guys keep on coming over. So, oh, uh, we've only got a few minutes here. I just want yeah. to touch on a couple other things. So, sure, it was really interesting last week. One of the big stories, as we mentioned, a lot of waiver claims. We had yeah, Harris, that. Harrison Bader and Hunter Renfro going over the Reds. The Guardians picked up Matt Moore, Lucas Giolito, and Reynaldo Lopez to uh, bolster their bullpen. Yeah, it was interesting because I don't remember. I know we've only had this for a couple of years where we don't have the waiver trade deadline anymore. The waiver trade deadline, yeah, that, that taking that away has just changed the whole element, right? But I don't remember last year that many guys going up on waivers. So no. I say bring back the waiver trade deadline because these moves are going to happen. It's more fun if it's a trade, right? I like the the trade, you know, aspect of it in the sense that. It, it made it, you know, fairly competitive that, the, you know, the other the, the home team that was putting you on waivers had to kind of jockey and make a decision. You know what I mean? And the team that was, you know, that's claiming you had to make, you know, so there was a little bit of a, there was a little bit of back and forth there. Now it's just like, boom, these guys yeah. are jumping. Now it's and, fantasy and if, football. If I'm not wrong, if, was there not a case where Hunter Renfro was put on waivers but still played in a game? Yes, that's right. And I think Bader, too. I think Bader played in the game. Bader might have played in the game, too. I know Hunter Renfro because I think he got a key hit in the game that he stayed in on. Has that <laughs> ever happened before, or is this because of the new rule? I don't remember ever seeing that, personally. I thought when you put on waivers, you, you, you were Yeah, just, it's, it was like your DFA. You're, you're you don't play. You're off the roster. You're, yeah, you're off the roster. You're kind of like in this limbotic state of, like, you might be coming back, but you could be going, you know, uh, to another team. Or obviously the trade scenario. That was the weirdest thing. I'm watching and I'm going, didn't I just, the, uh, the day before I heard that Hunter was put on waivers and then I'm watching the highlights and he's in the double. And I'm going like, that's, uh, that's kind of, it's kind of cool actually, but, yeah. but kind of weird. Well, you know? Puig, Puig got traded and he was still playing in that game before the trade got finalized. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. But there was another one too. Who was it that got traded in the middle of a doubleheader? And oh. he got traded to the other team. Oh gosh, that's happened was, a couple times. It's happened a couple times, right? Where the guy actually changed uniforms or something in the middle of a double <laughs> yeah. header and got traded. It's happened. <laughs> I mean, I I can't remember which time it was. It, happened it, a few it was. Times. I want to say. I want to say it was Robbie Thompson. That could be. I'm not uh, sure. Say, with, with the Giants, I thought it was. Could be. I remember, yeah. uh, and then another iconic moment was when. Wilmer Flores thought he had been traded. Remember, he stays in the game, and then he gets pulled from the game. He, he looks like he's crying, game. and he's then he crying. wasn't actually included in the trade. He wasn't, and he got to stay. And then they ended up trading him later on. Anyway, <laughs> that was when he was with the Mets. And he's he actually having a great Mets. year this year. He's having a pretty solid year, man. He's having a pretty darn good year. I I, I like that kid. And, well. Uh, Cleveland goes out there, oh, and they pick yes. up these guys. They're five games back in Minnesota. They've won four. They had won four in a row, came close to sweeping the Rays yesterday. Now they open up a huge, huge, huge series against the Twins in Cleveland. Yeah. Three yeah. games. If they sweep this series, all bets are off. Anyone can win this division. How about that? I mean, this has been a team that offensively, just did not show up for the first, you know, three months plus of the season. 
they're there pitching wise. They've been as strong as anybody on the mound. Uh, they play pretty solid defense, uh, but they just could. We we're not getting any, you know, uh, any offense on a regular base, especially getting guys on base when they were supposed to be this. You know, the Quan was supposed to get on base a lot, and and you know their leadoff guys, and then drive them in. That wasn't happening. So they've just revamped their offense quite a bit. They did get Naylor back now uh, off of the injured list, and and uh, I think that you know that's going to help a little bit. But the bottom line is that if if they hit. They're in the mix, and and they're capable because they play great defense, and they pitch their light. They they pitch their lights out, man. Yeah, they're, well, the the bullpen additions I think are huge because they've lost. I I think Zach Mizell did a story on this within the past month, and at that time he wrote it, the Guardians have had twenty seven or twenty eight games where they led and they lost after turning a game over their bullpen. Really? Yeah. I mean. Colossae's had one of those. I mean, he's, I think he's leading both leagues in saves, isn't he? He's got thirty-seven Probably. saves. Like yeah, that. but he's he's, a, he's kind of like a you know a, a Juan, but what was it, Armando Benitez? Kind of he scares you a little <laughs> <Yeah>. bit uh, <laughs> back in the day. Well, it's not just him. I mean, James Karinchak is basically oh, no, no. as far as the setup guys. Yeah, they, they've struggled. Yeah. But but Stefan. I mean, but you know they've had some pretty darn good starters if you look at it. Even though Shane Bieber's had. I don't know. What, what what happened to Shane Bieber this year? He's pitching well. He's doing okay. Yeah, he's got a three seventy RA. I guess I guess he's kind of gotten the the bug of the not getting the the run support because yeah he he, he does he does have a a three seventy RA, but he's only five and six. But I mean they they've got some they got some some exciting arms, man, in in, in the rotation. So uh, the kid BB obviously yeah. been, been very nice. Logan Allen. Uh, Logan Allen's been McKenzie really nice. has missed a lot of time this year, but I mean that guy's got a really bright future. Oh, no doubt. So I mean, I think um, Giolito makes his first start tonight. How about that pickup? That was that was outstanding. I mean, they picked up like, like three guys. Yeah, from Matt Moore and Ronaldo Lopez. My boy, Matty Moore. There you go. There's a oh guy that, that has found Tampa. a found a, a spot. Well, maybe, but he's found a spot uh, in in a you know short little lefty. If that works for him and he and he does real well the rest of this year and pitches in the playoffs, so Matty Moore could pitch for another four or five years as a lefty setup guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's he's rediscovered himself as a reliever. He really has. Yeah, he's done yeah. very well. I think Cleveland. I mean, like I said, if they if they you got to win the series, and if you sweep the series, yeah. now all of a sudden you've got all the momentum. You're two games out, and there's still four weeks of baseball left to be played. Uh, I think this is a critical, critical series. Now, it does. Cleveland was a team that's really disappointed me this year. I thought they were going to win the American League this year. I thought that I liked what they did last year. I thought they were on the up. You would have thought, it seems, right? It seems like, and it could be fool's gold, but it seems like right now they're finding a little something. I mean, there are some rumors, some people whispering, is this going to be Francona's last year? Is he going to retire? And maybe that's giving well him a, be the case. Maybe I mean, that's I mean, giving you a little bit of motivation to win for Tito. I, I'll be honest with you. They're five back. Um, I don't see them making the playoffs. I mean, they're doing everything and anything to try to do it. But uh, Minnesota's a, 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 a nice little machine. You know, they're not great, but they they play solid. They got they got a few thumpers, and and they're a well run organization. But um, 
I don't, I don't see Cleveland catching up to them. And then obviously the wild card race is just too, too muddled for them to be in the mix. Well, yeah, wild card, they're out of it. But no, they're out of it. Yeah. If if the Twins win this series, it's over because they'll have at least a six game lead. They could if they swept it, it'd be an eight game lead. What, it's, what, it's over. If, if the Twins just win one out of three, they're still you know they're it's four four, four you know, with four weeks left. Yeah. But I, I just, I, you know, yeah, four or four weeks left. I guess you can make up a game a week. Yeah, you could do, you know. Like, I, I think they're still in it if if Cleveland takes it. two or three. But if Cleveland sweeps, now it changes the entire outlook. Yeah. It's just, really well, having, been, having been there personally, uh, sweeping anytime is yeah. not an easy thing. You nope. know what I mean? When, when you're going with the pressure of needing to sweep, it's a hard thing to do. I think for them, it's taking two out of three, so you gain a game. And then, like you said, you still have four weeks where you can knock off a game a week, and then you get down to that yeah. end. And then it's 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 up, you know it's it's, it's anybody's uh, call. But uh, the, the the West for me has been a fun fun division. Yeah, uh, we went deep. We went deep into the West last week. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, so we're not what, we're that, not neglecting the West. That, that, today. That, Don't that, worry. That, that's a fun. That's a fun division. <laughs> as far as my my beloved AL East, um, man, what a great job! Um, you know, I'm 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 disappointed that Bautista went down um, for for Baltimore. You know what I mean? Because I was like, I wanted I wanted them. I, I I'm kind of like a closet Baltimore Orioles fan. <laughs> you know why? <laughs> There's a very, very logical reason why. Why? Where did the Orioles train for spring training for 30 years? Well, they're in Sarasota now, right? Correct. Before Sarasota, where were they for over 30 years? Were they in? So Philly's in Clearwater, and the Yankees are in Tampa. Were they in St. Pete? They were in Miami, Florida. Oh, wow. For... I can't tell you how long. More than 30. Bro, more than 30 years. Probably 40 or 50 years, it seemed to me, because I'm talking about I grew up in the 70s and 80s and early 80s. They, we're talking Boo Powell and Cal Ripken Sr. And look, you can look it up real quick how long they were there. But, but uh, so I was, you know, I would skip school some days in high school and go watch spring training at my at Bobby Maduro Stadium. So I kind of was, a, you know, an O's fan for from way back when, and um, and I've always been sentimental about that organization. And they're looking pretty darn good. Eighty-five yeah. wins. Um, I'm I'm impressed. You know what I mean? And um, they don't seem to be slowing down. And talk about youth. I mean, they've got guys that are already, you know, the Santanders of the world and the Mountcastle already have three, four years in. The guys that are like two years and under. Are phenomenal, <laughs> you know. Uh, Gunderson and, and, and they got and they got guys coming up still. Right. So this is comparable uh, to what the Astros had when they were starting. Whew. So so this is not going away. Is what yeah. we, we got to look at. We they're going to need to. they the run might not be quite as long as Houston because they're going to have to pony up the money to keep these players. Yeah, and they're not. And they're yeah, they hardly pony up for anything. That, yeah. that owner that owner needs to go, man. Uh, <laughs> God, can we God. can we start our own group and 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 take them out and buy the team? 
I'd rather I'd rather go to Jerry Reinsdorf and try to offer a <laughs> yeah. nice deal. Jerry's a good man. He'd probably offer us a good, a good, <laughs> nice deal for the Chicago White Sox. Listen, I've met him a, a, a handful of times, Mr. Reinsdorf. I, give, give it to us for like half a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I can put that together with a few guys. <laughs> but they're going to be like, nah, we want, we want two and a half billion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last thing. Oh, uh, and then we're gonna. We both got to run. It's Labor Day. We've got family yeah. get, stuff to get yeah. to. All right, last thing Happy I want to ask you, everybody, and God bless America. God bless America. Okay, last thing I got to ask you, AL East related, and I know this is a loaded, sensitive topic. Yeah. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays are playing right now without Wander Franco. Yeah. Can you explain what's going on there and what your take is on the situation? I mean, I don't see him at all playing, you know, putting on a uniform again the rest of the season. It doesn't make sense for the Tampa Bay Rays. It doesn't make sense for Major League Baseball. Uh, it, it actually doesn't make sense for Juan DeFranco, honestly. Uh, unfortunately, because of the the accusations and the, the bad look that it is, okay, the bad look, and and I still believe I'm, I'm very much American and you're – innocent until proven guilty right and there isn't enough evidence yet there's not there's that there's not been smoking guns yet right so you would say like hey if he gets off he should be able to just strap it back on it's not that simple because of the world that we live in including a podcast and social media and there's a lot of judgment now in these days so it'd be detrimental to him to the organization and to major league baseball and its fans to throw him back out there. This is just kind of like, unfortunately, and it may be super unfortunate if he's proven that he hardly did anything. But if he did do even the semblance of things that, that kind of put him in, in bad light, let's say he didn't commit any egregious things, but he was in the bad light, this is the, the slap that he ends up getting. You know, the lesson that you learn by being in the wrong type of circumstances. That being said, I don't. I feel that that, that this is my take, personal take, or rest is another take, that he will be back in uniform come next spring training. Um, and that is because I don't see from what I'm hearing that there's a smoking gun at this point in time or smoking guns that are going to prohibit him from being back in uniform. What it's going to do is there'll be investigations. There are ongoing investigations now. But let's be candid, man. If there have been celebrities and athletes and stuff that have ended up paying people off, even if they have been innocent, but you just have to just make sure that, you know, that the even lies don't get told about you, right? So if that's the case in, in Dominican Republic and these families, what seems to be... Um, look to try to get paid off or something, then there'll be a payoff. It's, it, I'm not guaranteeing. I'm just saying it from my take. So if that's the take, then there's nobody going to, to court. There's nobody going to the witness stand saying, here's the, the you know, the, 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 the uh, smoking gun. There's not a smoking gun. There's no case. It's just, you know, it gets thrown out. Now he has to come back and it's, it's still an ugly scenario. But the bottom line is that He's, he's put himself in a very ugly looking scenario. He could have been, he could have distanced himself from this a long time ago. But 
unfortunately, you're also talking about a different mindset in Dominican Republic. I'm not excusing it, not condoning it. It's terrible to even be associated with that. It's terrible to even be talking to someone that's even, put it this way, even 18, you know what I mean? Why, why even chance it? That somebody throws you, shows you their ID and says, yeah, I'm 18, and you're 20, 21, 22, making millions of dollars, or even not making, but you're in that position of power, so to speak, as a professional ball player, like a lot of those you know Dominican kids are, to step away from that because then you don't have you won't have any potential look bad scenarios, and that could end up very well being what happened here. He put himself in a bad look see. Well, that's enough to slap you pretty hard. And what's the hard slap? The best scenario for him right now is that he doesn't play the rest of the year, and he's and he's strapping up and playing in spring training. Because other than that, the worst scenario is that he never plays another Major League Baseball game. But I don't see that ever happening unless there's a there's a there's a smoking gun. And and again, not to reiterate, but that only happens if if someone testifies to the effect and has videos, conversations, pictures that show that that scenario ever happening. So uh, it's just an, an unfortunate thing. And I think the Rays might have made a mistake. And this is me from the outside looking in, but also from the inside, having been in and around that organization. As much as they are about with their white and black players, you know, how they treat and how the mantra is, I think that they 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 overlooked the importance of having more or having a and or more influential people at the major league level and even in the minor league level as they're coming up, but at the major league level, like, you know, think about when they went to the World Series in 2008, with a bunch of young studs coming up. B.J. Upton, David Price, uh, Evan Longoria, all rookies, 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 you know, but highly touted rookies, right? Highly drafted rookies. They had Cliff Void. They had Troy Percival. They had um, Eric Hensky. You know, so you've got a lot of times you can get caught with not having enough, you know, veteran voice in your clubhouse or in the organization, Right. And if I were them, I would have signed somebody like Jose Bautista a few years ago who was available after he was kind of on his downside and he was looking for a team. He lives and resides in Tampa. I would have signed Jose Bautista for one major thing. We've got all these young guys coming up that we already know. We've got, you know, we've got this kid by the name of Juan de Franco. We've got this kid by the name of, uh, of uh, Yandy Diaz. You know, we've got these... Uh, Willie, uh, Willie Adamas, you know, whether they ended up trading him, but it had all these young kids, right? I would have brought in a voice like that. They didn't, and I think it's something that the, I think was overlooked. He's Arrestus Destrade. Big O, what can people check out? You still doing the radio show? Still doing the radio show, and, uh, you know, gonna, gonna, I'm, I'm getting ready to put out a, uh, a really formidable, I'll be going, going to Japan at the end of this month in September, and, uh, I'll be putting out a new 
uh, Instagram that's geared really towards oh, Japan. Sweet, awesome. Uh, it's geared towards Japan, but I think the American crowd yeah. over here will enjoy it too because you know, obviously now you can you can translate everything and uh, but but it's really geared towards my fans in in Japan. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll be sure to get you that when it's all coming out. Absolutely, coming out at the end of the month. The radio show is called the Ozone. Yeah, the Ozone, and uh, it's been a lot of fun over here at the. In, in, in St. Pete and Clearwater kind of doing that. And it's a, a nice little local show. We're having fun with that, man. But uh, uh, con- good, congrats on you and what you're doing. Stay healthy and stay good. And have a, have a great uh, rest of the day with your family, buddy. Thanks, O. Uh, great having you here back at you. And I'm sure we'll be doing this again in a couple weeks or so when uh, nephew Albert is able to join us. And it'll be very Atlanta Braves centric. Yes, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> best team, the best team in baseball right now, deservedly so. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, O. You got it, buddy. Thank you, man. All right, y'all. That does it for today's edition of the Jack Vita Show with the Big O, Arrestus Destrade. Love talking Shohei Otani, some of these Japanese stars. What's going on with the Rays? Trying to figure out why the Cubs are so good. Can the Cleveland Guardians catch up to the Minnesota Twins? Uh, Lots of fun today. Always great having the O here. We'll be back again next week for more sports content. Uh, We'll probably have, I'm certain we'll have another great guest on from the world of baseball. Hard to believe football season is underway. So we'll probably be doing a little more football stuff coming up here soon. If that's what you guys want. I know that we have a large contingent of baseball fans that listen to this show. So the baseball content isn't going anywhere. But if you guys want a little bit of football content, we can work some of that in. So if you guys enjoyed today's show, uh, please hit subscribe and do that on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Make sure that you're subscribed because that way we can get this podcast out to more people. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's at Jack Vita Show. Until our next episode, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs>